0: I am Dennis Tubergen. This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me on today's program in segments two and three is returning guest to the program, Dr. A. Gary Schilling. Gary is the publisher, I should say the longtime publisher, of the newsletter Insight, which is one of my go-to publications every month when I want to know what's going on in the economy. I will get Gary's take on whether or not we're in a recession. I'll get his stock forecast. I'll get his Federal Reserve policy forecast and what it all means to you. I'll also have him share with you what he's advising his subscribers. So you won't want to miss that. Dr. Schilling will be joining me again in segments two and three of today's program. If you have not yet requested the July special report, it is titled Five Investing Myths and Mistakes and How to Potentially Avoid Them. I would love to send you a copy of the report as well as bonus information that will accompany the report. All you need to do to get your copy of the report is visit the website requestyourreport.com. The website, again, requestyourreport.com. When you let me know where to mail the report, I will send you the report as well as a box of bonus information. That's all at no cost and no obligation. Again, the website is requestyourreport.com. You know, I have since the beginning of the year here on the program offered my take that I believe that the U.S. is already in recession. There was an article this past week on Zero Hedge. In fact, I covered it on my Monday headline roundup newscast that talked about the fact that the U.S. personal savings rate is at a five-year low, but yet consumers are still spending. How can that be? Well, credit card debt is at the highest level that it has been in decades. The savings rate year over year is down, credit card usage is up. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, when you break down the U.S. economy and you take a look at where the economy gets its fuel, when you take a look at the U.S. economy and take a look at the engine of the U.S. economy, it is consumer spending. Consumer spending makes up 70% of U.S. gross domestic product. Well, if consumers are now largely spending using credit cards, it doesn't take a degree in economics to figure out that that trajectory cannot continue long-term. See, consumers, I believe looking at the data, are tapped out. They're using credit cards to fund spending. Now, you have to stop and think for a minute. Consumers who are using credit cards to fund spending, or at least I would say many consumers, probably most consumers who are using credit cards to fund spending, would rather not. They just don't have any other choice as inflation continues to intensify. That's obviously not news to anyone listening to today's broadcast. The Washington Examiner put it this way last week, quote, Inflation as measured by producer wholesale prices ticked up to a red-hot 11.3% for the year ending in June, according to a report Thursday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's near the highest on record. Thursday's report comes a day after headline inflation, as measured by the Consumer Price Index, exploded to 9.1% for the 12 months ending in June, which is the highest level since 1981. Now, these new producer price index numbers are just another indicator that prices are wildly out of control, even as the Federal Reserve moves ever more aggressively to jack up interest rates to rein in the country's historic inflation. Now, keep in mind, this is from the Washington Examiner article. I will have a comment here momentarily. The producer price index gauges the wholesale prices of goods, and obviously wholesale prices eventually affect retail prices. So if you're wondering if inflation is going to get under control, that may answer your question. The answer to that question is likely no. Now, the central bank, the Federal Reserve, increased interest rates last month by three-fourths of a percentage point. That's 75 basis points. For those of you not familiar with how that works, 100 basis points is 1%. 50 basis points is a half a percent. The Federal Reserve increased interest rates by 0.75% or 75 basis points. It's the first time interest rates have increased at that level since 1994. More typically, the Fed raises interest rates a quarter percent or 25 basis points at a time. So the June hike of 0.75% was like three rate increases previously. Now, the Fed is going to meet again this month, and the talk is it will likely raise its rate by another 75 basis points, and some analysts are saying maybe even 100 basis points. Now, Atlanta Federal Reserve President Rafael Bostic said that, quote, everything is in play including a full percentage point hike. Now, my take is this. When you take a look at the Fed Funds rate presently, it's hovering right around just under 2%. Now, if you want to get inflation under control, you need to have real positive interest rates. So even if the Fed raises interest rates by 100 basis points, if they raise interest rates by a full 1%, inflation will probably not be affected. But financial markets may be. Now, at the beginning of this year, I forecast the U.S. was likely in a recession, and as the evidence comes in, it seems that that may be accurate. Let me make another prediction here and now. I expect that before this year is over, the Fed will reverse course on the interest rate increases. I believe the Fed will see the need to support the economy. Now, there are some analysts who disagree with me, including many who have been guests on this program, and I guess time will ultimately tell But those who say that that likely won't happen argue that the dollar would be devalued to an even greater extent, further threatening its use internationally in trade. Now, why do I come to such a conclusion? Why do I think the Fed will likely reverse course and reduce interest rates again? I believe that the Fed is really painted into a corner here. They've got two choices and neither choice is good. One, they reverse course, they reduce interest rates, they continue upon, they continue their program of quantitative easing, and inflation intensifies even further. Getting inflation under control completely would mean a painful deflationary period. Now, I find it to be somewhat ironic that this painful deflationary period will probably not be avoided. In fact, I believe we might be even witnessing the onset of a painful deflationary period at the present time. Stocks are down significantly year-to-date, and I believe real estate will soon follow. In fact, I believe that we're seeing the beginning of the cracks in the real estate market presently. Now, I talk about this in my July special report. The July special report is titled Five Investing Myths and Mistakes and How to Potentially Avoid Them. I'd be very glad to send you a complimentary copy of the report. All you need to do is visit the website requestyourreport.com, and I'll send you the report as well as some bonus information. And the report talks about the five mistakes that investors often make in an environment like this. They ignore the realities of the economy. They think that because it's worked in the past, it's going to work again in the future, and that may not be the case. In my view, and my strong conviction is that will not be the case. Mistake number two is investing only in traditional asset classes like stocks and bonds. Mistake number three is taking a broad market approach to investing. Mistake number four is is sticking with buy-and-hold investing, and mistake number five is waiting for the market to come back before constructing a retirement income plan. Now, the report, Five Investing Myths and Mistakes and How to Potentially Avoid Them, is available this month only, in July, and again, to get your free copy, as well as some bonus information, including how to potentially use revenue sourcing to manage your assets in today's economy, just visit the website requestyourreport.com. The website again is requestyourreport.com. I'd be glad to send you a copy of the report as well as all the bonus information. And a quick reminder, if uh, you're not yet using the free resources available at the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates website, I'd invite you to visit the website at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. You'll get Uh, the ability to access the Headline Roundup newscast that airs live every Monday. It is recorded and posted there. The podcast version of this radio program is there, as well as the weekly newsletter distributed uh, via email called Portfolio Watch. That's at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Dr. A. Gary Schilling.
1: Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is returning guest, Dr. A. Gary Schilling. If you're a long-time listener, you recognize Gary as a uh, periodic guest here. And uh, Gary publishes a newsletter that uh, is really must-reading. If you want to know what's going on in the economy and how it might affect your investments, it's titled Insight. You can learn more by visiting agaryshilling.com or by calling his office at 888-346-7444. I'll give that uh, web address and the phone number again before the segment is over. And Gary, welcome back to the program.
2: Always glad to be with you, Don.
1: So, Gary, in your Insight newsletter uh, for July, the headline is the top in interest rates may be near. uh Is the Fed here going to make the decision to be more accommodative at the maybe expense of more inflation, or how do you see it?
2: Well, there are a couple of features there. One is, if you look at at the past, the Fed tightens credit. Now, they work on the very short end, overnight rate called the federal funds rate. But the effect spread throughout the the curve. The further away you get from where the Fed is, the less the effect. But there is an effect, um, and and so that means when the Fed does shift gears, it does have an effect on longer-term yields, ten-year Treasury uh, note yields, thirty-year Treasury bond yields, uh, uh, and 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 that's important because the Fed tightens credit, and when they do, like they're doing now, they almost always precipitate a recession. There are exceptions, but very few. Um, Now, when the Fed gets to the point where they see that they've done the deed, that they are pretty well sealed in a recession, I think that's once again going to be true, we may already be in one, then they back away. And they oftentimes shift from tightening to credit ease even before the peak of business, uh, they they in effect are, are are leading it, and so that's why you do get a leading effect of of uh, interest rates throughout the yield curve spectrum. And I, I and I think that I think that we're at the point now uh, where you can begin to look at that uh, for the Fed, uh, maybe later this year, early next year, but uh, for the Fed to move. Now the other thing that affects is is that Treasuries. And I, in interest rates, I I really uh, favor Treasuries because they're the the safest uh, investment vehicles around. You don't have to worry about the, whether the company's going to go broke or the president what he's having for breakfast. But but the point is that uh, that uh, they they really are a great safe haven. And when you do get all kinds of problems in stocks and and all these speculative uh, areas. Uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, even so-called stable coins. People head for the safety of of treasuries, and that's not only Americans but foreigners. Uh, foreigners, uh, our our treasury yields are higher than all, than almost any other developed country. And second, with the dollar strengthening, and that's another one of our uh, strong. Uh, areas in, in portfolios we run. With a strengthening dollar, it means that foreign investors get a what's called a translation game. In other words, if they're investing in treasuries and dollars uh, and the dollar goes up, that means that the that <clears throat> value in their own currencies rises as well.
1: Well, Gary, you had mentioned that uh, you believe that we may be in a recession now, and certainly it, it, it appears that way. Uh what's your forecast for how severe this recession could be?
2: It it could be, it could be severe. I don't think it's going to be as severe as the uh, as the uh, 2009 uh uh 2007-2009 recession which was really touched off by the collapse in subprime mortgages. I don't think it's <clears throat> I don't think it measures up to that. Uh but it could be it could be uh, a fairly moderate. Recession now. Uh, recession's are not really. Uh, they they feature big declines in stocks. I mean, normally there's a uh, so-called bear market, meaning at least twenty percent decline in major stock indices like the S and P 500. But the economy itself, and you usually look at this in inflation-adjusted terms, uh, real terms, it's called uh, real GDP. If it declines two and a half three percent. That's a that's a that's a recession. Uh, you, you don't have double digit declines in economic activities. It's it's more the lack of growth than the the actual decline. But um, I I do think that we could have that. And uh, but I don't see great imbalances out there that need to be corrected like the subprime mortgage excesses uh, uh, a decade ago. But you but you never know. The one thing about recessions is that they 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 do. Uh, expose a lot of speculation, and there has been plenty. All the money pumped out by the Federal Reserve and by the uh, anti-COVID rounds of stimulus, and there were three big payments, checks sent to households. That money didn't go into uh, uh, spending on on goods and services. It went into housing, and it went into went into stocks, and it went into a lot of speculations. You look at all the cryptocurrencies and. These other areas that are really were benefiting from this, so you don't you don't know what's really beneath the surface there and uh is going to be revealed as things start coming apart
1: so Gary, when you take a look at uh uh where stocks are you were on uh, probably about four months ago and said that uh, we'd see more downside in stocks. what's your forecast now?
2: I think well stocks are are down you look at the s and p they're down <clears throat> about 20%, uh, a little over 20%, and I think they're about halfway to the bottom. The the first half is really changing the values, the price-earnings ratios, if you will, the values that people put on stocks. Now the second half is the actual decline in earnings, which is the result of the recession. And, of course, we're just moving into the earnings season, uh, for the second quarter earnings, we'll 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 know a lot more uh, in a couple of weeks on that. But I think we're in the we're sort of in the second half, and say the first half twenty percent, second half twenty percent, total decline. I would say around forty percent uh, in the S and P 500.
1: So, Gary, do you see stocks reversing when the Fed maybe reverses course and becomes a little bit more accommodative? It seems that the Fed has uh, really buoyed this market up uh, over the last several years.
2: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and there was this uh, sort of concept of the the Fed put. In other words, you know, a put is basically if you buy a put, you're you're buying the ability to. To uh, uh, buy stocks cheaper, and the idea was there was a Greenspan put, and then the Bernanke put, and the Yellen put. Uh, it didn't. It didn't get that way with with, uh, with the current chairman Powell. Uh, he kind of called the end of that. Uh, but the point is that what happens typically is that the uh, you, you first you, you do get the Fed shifting gears, uh, but the positive effects of that on stocks are usually then. At least offset by the weakness in earnings. Of course, again, the first half is a uh, decline in stocks. Is more the re- reduction in, in valuations uh, a- a- with the Fed tightening, interest rates rising, uh, more expensive to hold stocks or anything else. But then the second half, uh, things take over, and and you get uh, you get the earnings effect. So stocks, uh, stocks do. Do turn, they do turn up before the end of the recession, but they don't turn up before the start. Whereas the Fed sometimes shifts from tightness to ease before the start of the recession.
1: So, Gary, when you take a look at the uh, the, the, the long treasury bond, um, it's had a bit of a rough go of it this year. Um, can I infer from your comments that you expect that that will likely reverse uh, here soon?
2: Yeah, well, the the, the Long treasury bonds did get beaten up that that changed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <clears throat> I think we got to the point where people were beginning to realize there was going to be a serious recession and and the safe haven of treasuries was there. but uh yeah, I think that I think we're probably uh we we may have seen the the bottom on treasury prices, the peak in, in yields.
1: Here I have conversations, uh, and we've got about three and a half minutes left in this segment. I have conversations with uh, people in the real estate industry, and uh, seems that uh, about mid May or so, uh, perhaps due to uh, rising interest rates, uh, the real estate market seems to be uh, beginning to show signs of slowing uh, what's your forecast for housing, and would you agree no, with I, that? I think
2: I think we're going to have a lot of weakness now not nothing as severe as the subprime mortgage collapse. Uh, that we saw in 2007-2008. Uh, uh, but you, you've had a lot of speculation. You look at house prices relative to incomes that are higher than they were back then when you had all that subprime mortgage speculation. And and uh, uh, house prices are very sensitive to interest rates. Uh, it's kind of surprising that you haven't had a turn down in real, uh, residential real estate before now. But I, I think you've had a a feeding frenzy if you will you've had a lot of, of people who sort of said oh well housing you can't lose money it's, it's going up I don't care I'm going to really strain so I can afford the down payment and the interest payments on a, on a mortgage uh, but I think that finally got to the point where people realized that this this is this is just not uh, feasible and and so we've seen this and so we could see a big decline in housing. And housing is a small sector. It's only it's only typically about three percent of GDP, the total sum in goods and services produced in the economy in a given time frame. But it's so volatile, uh, it can it can it can add or subtract uh, a couple of percentage points to to uh, GDP. So it in itself, a collapse in housing in itself can constitute a recession. So that's why it's extremely important because it's so volatile. And, of course, it's volatile because it's so highly leveraged. If somebody somebody puts down 3% with an FHA mortgage, uh, they've got a leverage of 33 to 1. Uh, Hey, that's a lot of leverage.
1: Right. Gary, uh, just for our listeners' uh, benefit, how long have you been publishing Insight?
2: Oh, gosh, we've been doing that uh, for over 30 years.
1: Well, I would encourage the listeners to check it out. Uh, You can go to agaryshilling.com and learn more. You can also call Gary's office at 888-346-7444 to learn more about the Insight publication. I'll continue my conversation with Dr. A. Gary Schilling when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and you are listening to RLA Radio. I have the distinct pleasure of chatting once again today with my guest, Dr. A. Gary Schilling, uh dr schilling is the publisher of the insight newsletter it's a terrific publication i would encourage you to check it out you can learn more at agaryshilling.com. you can also call gary's office at 888-346-7444 to learn more and i'd encourage you to do that gary you know before we jump in and, and talk maybe some specific sectors in the economy um where do you see inflation topping out have we seen the worst of it here
2: we, we we probably have. Uh, now, inflation is picking up. The revisions tend to be on the upside. Uh, so we may see some further uh, big numbers. 9.1% year-over-year CPI was the latest one, of course. Uh, but I think that some of the, the factors that really pushed it up uh, was the reopening of the economy after the COVID shutdown, the, the uh, supply chain disruptions, and of course, most recently, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine that last one is still pretty much open uh, the the previous two reopening the economy and the supply chains. I think they are are getting ease. Just one example all these ships that bring goods from Asia, consumer goods, you know bicycles uh, uh, cars, uh, home appliances, you name it, clothing uh, there were one hundred thirty of those back in January that were waiting to be unloaded in the West Coast, Coast ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Uh, now they've whittled that down to 30. Those goods have been actually unloaded. They've moved inland into warehouses, and a lot of them are, are big drugs on the market. They're Christmas merchandise that was overordered. Uh, but you don't have that supply chain disruption, quite the opposite. you got an excess of, of inventories now. So I think a lot of those those issues are... Uh, well on a way to, to uh, re- resolution, but it's it's the order in Ukraine that you obviously don't know how that's going to end up.
1: So, Gary, when you start looking at this economy, uh, particularly stocks uh, and and the different sectors, and you really break this down in your July Insight newsletter, uh, you know you have you have energy, uh, you have maybe utilities, and then you kind of have the rest of the market. What's your forecast for energy here?
2: Uh, I think we're probably going to see continued high energy prices um, until we get enough weakness in the economy. and I think it is mounting up to a worldwide recession that we reduce demand. The supply side just isn't going to increase that much. The Saudis and the Russians, uh, they want high prices. They don't want to really supply a lot more oil, reduce prices. And American frackers, you know, they, they really stepped in earlier with huge increases in output, but it was a drill baby drill kind of motive motivation. But now their their backers, their their lenders, banks and their uh stockholders are saying, Hey wait a minute. we want to see some we want to see some earnings. Don't drill as much. Just uh uh, let let uh, some constraints on supply uh push up or maintain high prices. So uh I don't think we're gonna see much ease from the supply side, but it's the demand side which will be important and there if, if I'm right that this is a full blown recession we'll see enough weakness in demand that we'll see a, a substantial decline in oil prices as does that mean gasoline is gonna go well it was over five bucks a gallon now. I think it's around uh, of four seventy five something like that uh is it going to go back to two dollars a gallon i I don't know, but I think it could be it could be a further substantial decline from here
1: gary there's a big push for at least by by some policymakers for green energy um what, what's your opinion on green energy is is that a viable solution moving ahead, or is this more uh has it got more, maybe more, more political motivation at this point, in your view?
2: Well, the, the green energy, of course, is something that that uh, Biden and the administration was pushing very hard. Um, the problem is that a lot of these technologies take time to develop, uh, not only the, the technology area but the actual outputs. And in the meanwhile, if you if you don't have the energy, they can't expand fast enough to fill the gap, and therefore, you know that's why Biden went to Saudi Arabia with hat in hand. I mean, he had he had really had very disparaging marks about the Saudis and wanted to go completely green in energy. Well, what happened uh, with the with the uh, disruptions and gasoline at five dollars a gallon? Uh, hey, uh, the, Biden wants the Democrats to. Get reelected in November, and you can't do that with that kind of price in gasoline. So he, he's going over there trying to get the Saudis to, to to push up uh, push up production. Uh, but uh, but the idea of the green energy, uh, those hopes, it, it may be it may be important, but it's starting with such a small deal. I think the renewable energy is something like 12 percent of the total U.S. Uh, consumption now. It's starting from a very very low base it's going to be years before it's going to be big enough to really take over from fossil fuels.
1: So, Gary, in your um, July Insight newsletter, and if you're just joining us, I'm chatting today with Dr. A. Gary Schilling. He is the publisher of the Insight newsletter. You can learn more at agaryshilling.com or call his office at 888-346-7444. You you talk in your uh, July newsletter about uh speculative stocks continue to drop and uh you know one one prime example of that is the Arc Innovation Exchange traded fund uh that has right, fallen right. significantly um uh, do, do you think that this era of IPOs for companies that have never made a profit is now maybe becoming a bit more rational
2: Oh yeah I, you know I mentioned earlier we had a lot of speculation all this excess money created by fiscal stimulus that the uh money sent out in, in reaction to the pandemic, and of course, the Federal Reserve just flooding the, uh, flooding the country with money, and that's where a lot of it went. Uh, but now with the Fed tightening, and a lot of these uh, great adventures just didn't work out, uh, so we're now seeing the reverse, and and a lot of these things have, have virtually collapsed. Uh, you know, some of these so-called stable coins, for example, that were... were uh, you know, the crypto coins were supposedly linked to hard currencies. Well, it didn't turn out they they, they didn't. And so they have collapsed. Uh, Bitcoin, which is sort of the poster boy for all this, uh, has, has seen a, a huge decline. And uh, I think you just had so much speculation. And you're not only getting rid of the speculation, but all the great dreams that these uh, various speculations were going to take over the world or our to face reality, so that speculation, I think, is really pretty well on the downside.
1: So, Gary, there's still the, we haven't talked much about this uh, today, but we've talked about it in past interviews. Uh, there's still the issue of worldwide debt is at uh, very excessive levels. Um, you, you can uh, disagree with that assessment if you like, but how do you see this really affecting? Economic growth moving ahead. Do we still have more uh, a fair amount of deleveraging that has to happen?
2: Yeah, I think we. I think we do. And you know, leveraging it, it takes two the two sides to do it. The the borrowers who want to leverage up, they see huge profits by increasing their borrow in relation to their capital investments, and of course the lenders who are very happy to accommodate them because they're picking up the fees and the interest uh payment. So so you you see this is everybody is is teaming up on the upside, but then you get the, the reverse. Now, uh there there's been concern of course about leverage all over the place. Uh, the the federal government uh and uh, that has not had a big impact cuz so many people want to be in treasury securities that there's been plenty of money to finance it. But the real problems with leverage I think are more in the in the private sector. Uh, again, it's nothing as big or as widespread as the subprime uh, mortgage bubble, but you certainly see it in all these cryptocurrencies, stable currencies, these uh these uh, uh you know, various vehicles where basically they they raise money and uh Special purpose acquisition companies—they they raise money and they say, "I'll tell you later what I'm going to do with it." <laughs> <But> give <laughs> me your money now—and <laughs> it's a—it really—it really is very rem, reminiscent of of what what happened back in some of the great speculations, the South Sea Bubble, the Tulip uh, Tulip Bubble Mania. These in the 16, 1700s. Uh, but it's it, you know, human nature doesn't change that much uh, over time, if at all, Dennis. So uh, people keep doing the same things. And when the money is there and the gullibility is there, there's going to be speculation and it's going to come to grief. And that's what's happening now.
1: So Gary, in the time we have left, uh, share with our listeners what your favorite asset classes might be moving ahead.
2: Well, I can tell you where, you know, we are, we are registered investment advisors as well as, uh, economic consultants and, and, uh, Investment strategist, so I can tell you exactly what we're doing now. Um, it's really pretty simple. It's, it's what you would call risk what's known as risk off, and what that constitutes is we're long the dollar, and the dollar, we mentioned this earlier is a safe haven, uh, and it's it's been it's been extremely strong, and I think it's got further to go. You look at you look at the, uh, the euro; it's broken below par. Uh, Japanese yen is down. Considerably from its peak and so on versus the dollar. So the dollar. Uh, the second one is commodities. Um, we're short copper. I like copper uh, because it goes into almost anything that's manufactured. Uh, you know whether it's machinery or or uh, or computers or plumbing fixtures, and so it's a very good measure of industrial production globally. And also, there's no cartel on either the supply or demand side. Oil, you know, has this has this supply side cartel and that can really change things in a hurry relative to the fundamentals. So, uh, we're short, we're short copper. We're also short, uh, we're short stocks, the S and P 500, the overall stock market. And I think that that is, as I say, it's about halfway to the bottom. And the final one is, uh, is, uh, uh treasury bonds. I mentioned that earlier, that that's really the, the safe haven. Uh, and, uh, with the prospect of the Fed down the road shifting from tightening to ease, I think we we may have already seen uh, the top in Treasury yields, the bottom in prices. So it's those four things that really constitute the bulk of our investments.
1: Well, my guest today has been Dr. A. Gary Schilling. The newsletter is Insight. You can check it out at agaryshilling.com. You can also call Gary's office at 888-346-7444 to learn more. Gary, always a pleasure to catch up with you. I can't believe how quickly 24 minutes passes, but I'd love to have you back down the road, and thank you for joining us today.
0: Thanks a lot, Dennis. Look forward to it.
1: We will return after these words.
0: I'm Dennis Tubergen. You're listening to RLA Radio. Thanks again to my special guest today, Dr. Gary Schilling, for joining me on today's program. If you're just tuning in, I'd like to invite you to get your free copy of my July special report titled, Five Investing Myths and Mistakes and How to Potentially Avoid Them. I'd be very glad to send you a complimentary copy of the report, as well as some bonus information. All you need to do to get your copy of the report and the box of bonus information absolutely free with no further obligation is to visit the website website, requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. When you visit the website, as I said, all you need to do is let us know where to mail your information, and we will be glad to do that. You know, in this segment, I want to shift gears just a little bit, and I want to talk about taxes. You know, you're entitled to have any opinion that you would like about taxes, but if I were to ask you a question... And that question is, do you think future income tax rates will be higher than they are presently, or do you think they will be lower? If your opinion matches those of most people I talk to, you probably think future income tax rates will be higher. Now, if you happen to believe that, I'd like to invite you to think about your IRA or 401k for a moment, because... The vast majority of IRA or 401k accounts have not had the principal contributions taxed and they've not had any of the growth taxed. So the question really as it relates to retirement accounts like IRAs and 401ks is not, are you going to pay the taxes on the account? The question is, when are you going to choose to pay the taxes on your account? Now, there is a potential opportunity, and we talk about this extensively in our New Retirement Rules class. And when you request the July 2022 special report, you'll get some information on the class as well. But if you take a look at tax brackets, if nothing changes in the tax code, and in my opinion, it's looking more and more like nothing is going to change in the immediate term, Individual income tax rates are going to move higher in 2026. Now, I don't have time in this segment to go through all the details, but let's just take for an example a married taxpayer filing a joint tax return. They move out of the 24% tax bracket at $340,100 in taxable income. In 2026, when tax rates will revert back to the rates that were in effect in 2017, if nothing changes, they will move into the 25% tax bracket at about $85,000 in income. So that creates an opportunity for many folks to think about doing Roth IRA conversions strategically. And even more important might be that if you're planning to leave your IRA or 401k to your children when you and your spouse, if you're married, pass on, then having a Roth IRA can make a lot of sense because there was a law passed a couple years ago called the SECURE Act, which did away with something called the stretch-out IRA. Now, the stretch-out IRA allowed a child who inherited an IRA from mom or dad to stretch the taxes out over their lifetime. So if a 50-year-old were to inherit a retirement account, that 50-year-old has a remaining life expectancy of 34.2 years, and under the old law, that 50-year-old could take a distribution of one thirty-fourth of the retirement account the first year, the next year one thirty-third, the next year one thirty-second, and so on, and they could literally get 34.2 years of tax advantage growth on the retirement account. That is no longer an option. Presently, under the SECURE Act, all the taxes have to be paid, the entire account has to be distributed within ten years of inheriting the account. Now here's what that means on an account. Let's just say that a 50-year-old inherits a million dollars and that account grows at 5%. Under a stretch-out scenario, by the time that 50-year-old turned 84.2, the total net on the account after taxes would have been about $1.9 million. And if you take a look at the tax that would have been paid during the first 10 years on this particular account, it would have been about $100,000 or so in taxes. Now, however, if that account has to be distributed over 10 years, the net after 10 years after taxes drops from about $1.9 million to about $971,000, and the taxes paid... Increase to about $320,000. So the IRS under this new rule can get their hands on 22% more of that retirement account based on these assumptions because the SECURE Act says all retirement accounts have to be distributed within 10 years. Now that applies to traditional IRAs. It also applies to Roth IRA accounts. If you were to leave a Roth to your child, your child could get 10 more years of tax-free growth versus 10 more years of tax-deferred growth. This is an opportunity that many people should be looking at yet this tax year because there's four more tax years to do some serious tax planning. There will be some information on this particular topic for those that request my July 2022 special report titled Five Investing Myths and Mistakes and How to Potentially Avoid Them. All you need to do to get your copy of the report is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. I'll be glad to send you a copy, including the information on IRA and 401k tax management. Again, the July special report, five investing myths and mistakes and how to potentially avoid them. That, as well as all the bonus information, including the information I just discussed, will be sent to you. Again, the website, requestyourreport.com requestyourreport.com. That's all the time I have for this week. I will be back again next week. Hope you got something you can use. Have a terrific week.